SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I'm joined by Stefan Chin. You like citrus? It's fine. Citrus is okay. I'm not like a citrus fanatic. Yeah, honestly, it's mostly the drinks for me. Yeah, like a good, like a a, a nice strawberry lemonade or something. I'm down. (laughs) Interesting. I consider citrus the top tier of fruit. Yeah, me too. I'm like very enthusiastic about citrus. Mm -hmm. Wow, I should have asked anyone else. (laughs) I wouldn't even know what would be above citrus in terms of fruit flavor. No, apples. Apples are good. Apples, boring. What about pears? Pears, good. Pears are all right. They have a fun texture. Pears above citrus. No. I, I put pears above citrus as well. You guys are out of your gourds. <laughs> also pineapple. I'm I'm here with Stefan. It's about pears and it's about pineapple. <laughs> uh, pineapple is, it might as well be a citrus in my opinion. Yeah, it's sour. It's <laughs> tangy. Yeah. Ew, you're all canceled. <laughs> Stefan, what's your tagline? Chalky smoothie fiend. <laughs> Sam Schultz also joins us here today. Hello. And what's your tagline? 
five gold rings. Because <laughs> we're in that season now, apparently. <laughs> Sari Riley is here as well. Sari, what's your tagline? Grasshopper Bubble Boy. Good one. And I'm Hank Green. My tagline is made of bars. Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts. We're playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding sandbooks from week to week. We do everything we can to stay on topic here on Tangents, but judging by the name of the podcast, we won't be great at that. So if the rest of the team deems your tangent unworthy, we'll force you to give up one of your sandbucks. So tangent with care! Now, as always, we introduce this week's topic with the traditional science poem, this week from Sari. Hello, friends. Come take a seat. The different types of wood are pretty neat. There's eucalyptus, <laughs> cedar, ironwood, or chestnut, ash, birch, and black bean, aspen, and walnut. Keep a buckeye on your cherry tree. You don't want to confuse it with mahogany. Don't sassafras me just because you know you're maple. There are plenty of species beyond those staples, like moringa or cowrie or nutka cypress. You alter pay attention to these ones that impress. Willow, <laughs> won't you take these names to Greenheart? It's okay if all this knowledge bamboozles you to start. I'll live another day to learn science online. So now it's time for rest and to ponderosa pine for sweet gums and dragon trees and cottonwood <laughs> creations. I'm done coachwooding you through these imaginations. Wow. <laughs> I would pay for a whole book of that shit. <laughs> oh my God. It was wonderful. Well, uh, is bamboo wood? I don't know. It's a tree. It's a grass. It's not a tree. It's a grass. Ow. Yeah. Write a new poem. <laughs> it's woody. Does it have to come from a tree to be wood? Since our topic is not trees, but wood. Yeah. So the topic for the day is wood. I forgot to mention because <laughs> I was so overwhelmed by Sari's poetry. <laughs> and, and we have not yet asked the question. Maybe Sari has the answer for us. What is wood? Well, wood is structural tissue. It doesn't necessarily have to be from trees. Like there's a class or group of plants that are not necessarily taxonomically closely related called woody plants. And I just Googled bamboo. The first line of this Science Daily article says, bamboos are a group of woody perennial evergreen plants uh, in the yeah. true grass family. All right. All right. So I'm in it. They're woody. They're, they're a woody <laughs> grass. Yeah. So- like woody is an adjective you can apply to other plants if they've got like bark or strong yeah. or on a chemical level different. There are like different kinds of structural chemicals in plants. Cellulose is, a, is the most common one. Cellulose is, I think, the most common organic compound on the planet. But wood is a different kind that is not made of cellulose. It's lignin, which is a different compound that is much weirder than cellulose. So cellulose is a very regular glucose polymer. Lignin is entirely irregular, but lignin makes no sense. It's amazing. And it's extremely strong. My, my question is like, is bamboo made of lignin? Which it kind of feels like it must be just by touching it. Is lignin cellulose adjacent? It is made of sugars. So all of this stuff is like basically saccharides. Where we usually think of saccharides as stuff that's like sweet to taste. There are things you can make out of sugars that are deeply indigestible. Hmm. Cellulose being pretty indigestible, but lignin being extremely difficult to digest, mm -hmm. though some organisms can do it. Bamboo does have lignin. Makes sense. It's way, it's too strong to not, because that's the big like leveling up from cellulose to lignin is that your structural tissue becomes much stronger. I feel bad making you define wood when I'm like, that was my specialty. Yeah, you're the wood man. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they call me, the wood man. <laughs> <laughs> 
somebody's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other wood wood information for us? Softwood and hardwood just have to do with the type of tree that they're from, which blew my mind a little bit. Like we didn't categorize them based on actual density of wood necessarily. That probably had something to do with it at some point, but hardwood comes from deciduous trees, so the ones that lose their leaves annually, and softwood comes from conifer trees, which usually remain evergreen. So like pine is a softwood, but beech is a hardwood. Are there like hardwoods that are softer than some softwoods? I think so. My guess is that there was a general pattern as they harvested some trees and they were like, oh, all these these evergreen trees kind of softer than all these other trees. But then we named them and then the pattern was broken after the Um, fact. That tracks with how we name stuff. (laughs) <laughs> it's like not paying any attention and they're like, oh gosh, we've put ourselves into a pickle here, but I guess there's no way to fix it. <laughs> and I imagine that the, the wood seems like one of these words that's just like, we've been calling it wood forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. We just noticed trees and then had a, a word for them that became wood. <laughs> what was very interesting to me is that there's an adjective form of wood that uh-huh. is now obsolete. That means violently insane. And it means oh. it came from like mad or frenzied. Because when I think of a tree, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's very unpredictable. Yeah, things must have been a lot different back then. I don't really know how they both came to wood. I think they're just short words that start with W. But okay. it's like the, the origin of the the adjective of of mad or frenzied wood mm-hmm. comes from the same root as Odin. So like. Wednesday for like a raging or mad or inspired. Because when I think of a Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, though. (laughs) Okay, so they're not related to each other. They're just the same word. Yeah, they're just the same word. And I thought that was fun (laughs) because I like combining them as meaning because I don't know. Trees are kind of boring. Yeah, I mean, trees are boring if you live at human time scales, Mm. which is, you know, the the only option available to us. But... (laughs) I think that I think if I got to live for, you know, uh. 20,000 years, I'd be like, wow, look at that forest go. <laughs> and now it's time for <laughs> where one of our panelists, it's me, has prepared three science facts for your education and enjoyment. But only one of those facts is real. The other panelists have to figure out either by deduction or a wild guess, which is the true fact. And if you do, you get a sandbuck. If you're tricked, then I get your sandbuck. You can play along at twitter.com slash scishowtangents where we have a Twitter poll where you can choose the fact that you think is most likely to be true. Or if you know it, maybe you know it. Are you guys ready for my three facts? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, good. Because otherwise this would be a huge problem. (laughs) As we have discussed, wood can be delicious if you have a stomach for it, which almost nobody does. But I was surprised to find this. There are animals in the ocean that have evolved ways to eat and digest wood. Are there woody plants in the ocean or is it not like really wood? Yeah, like driftwood what? and also like trees that have gotten have fallen in the water or the water moved into an area where there was once trees. Hmm. So there were there are these wood boring animals that, that like live in the ocean and they are called woodworms and they are not worms. They are bivalves, so they're like a clam, basically. And they have special enzymes and symbiotic bacteria that help them consume these pieces of wood. And over the centuries, they have been one of the most feared animals in the ocean uh, because they can eat your boat. 
It, says, <laughs> it appears in Norse lore. It's in the Iliad. It's in Moby Dick. And oh. also it is in real life. So this saltwater clam can latch onto the wood and then this two to three foot long fleshy tube extends into the wood. Ooh. And uh, because it can self-fertilize, one worm can become a very costly infestation that can ruin a wharf or drown a ship. And over the centuries, cities and engineers have attempted to deal with shipworms in many different ways. And these desperate times have led to desperate measures. Mm. Which of the following is a real but failed strategy attempted in the name of fighting shipworms? Fact number one, the city of Los Angeles went pretty low tech when it paid a fleet of divers to swim the length of ships with knives, stabbing and chopping at shipworms to get them out of the hulls of ships, and they would pay the divers based on how many worms they killed. Unfortunately, divers ended up pulling shipworms from easier to find places that were not ships, and then cutting them into sections and claiming that each section that they had chopped up was one worm. Fact number two, the Port of San Francisco decided to deal with their shipworm problem by dumping sewage into their port with the goal of increasing the acidity of the water so much that the shipworms would die. The shipworms did not seem to mind them doing this, unfortunately, though lots of other marine organisms did die. Or fact number three, engineers in Virginia decided to just set off dynamite to try to concuss the shipworms to death. The shipworms, unfortunately, didn't care. So if you want to play along at home, we've got the city of Los Angeles paying divers to chop up shipworms, the port of San Francisco dumping sewage to uh, poison the shipworms, or engineers in Virginia exploding the shipworms with dynamite. Where did they put the dynamite? They put the dynamite in the water, not obviously near enough to the wharf to do damage to it or near enough to the ships to do damage to them, but uh, just just far enough that the, like, the shock wave theoretically would hurt the shipworms. Huh. So they would be like, whoa, and then just drop out of the They'd hole. you be like, ow, yeah. my ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is a, this, it is a thing that you do with like, Fish. It's a fish mm. gathering technique where you set off a charge, like drop an M80 into the water and then the fish all sort of float up because they get dazed. This, I mean, this obviously wasn't that long ago because we have Los Angeles and San Francisco and dynamite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. all those things existed ar- around the same time. Yeah. And like depth charges feel like a thing that'd be like, okay, yeah. Instead of blowing up our enemies, we'll blow up these worms. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh-huh. I really don't want to believe that the city of San Francisco is like, let's dump sewage into the ocean. Yeah. But also, yeah. people have done such stupid things. <laughs> like, I, I just, for my hope in humanity, I wish that didn't happen. So I'm just going to write yeah. it off completely in my brain. I feel like San Francisco <laughs> is new enough in history that maybe they would know not to do that by then. It's not that new. I don't know. It's not dumping tons of poopy in the water older, is it? <laughs> we were dumping poopy in the water in Missoula, Montana in the 1960s. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but like using your poop as a weapon against shipworms yeah. that are actually clams, would we be like vengeful and dumb enough to do that? 
and be like, it won't hurt anything except for these clams that we don't like. Yeah, I think you guys are way overestimating uh, <laughs> the amount that we cared about anything <laughs> except except our wharfs in the past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, I, but I understand why Sari wants to write it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think even now, we would still pay people to go do it, like in L.A. There's a lot of mm. starving actors there. I would <laughs> get paid an hourly rate to hop yeah, in the water and pull out true. some worms. That seems it could fun. Be like, it could be like yeah. an iPhone app or something where you get a job to, to like a task rabbit to be a, a yeah. worm getter. Task worm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like task worm. <laughs> and now it is time before these people start voting for you to vote so your vote isn't influenced at twitter.com slash scishow tangents in our Twitter poll. I feel like the Los Angeles one is too humdrum, but I just don't believe the other two. So I'm going to go with that one. Sam's on LA. I'm also going to go with Los Angeles. I think it just feels true. If you create a system, people are going to game the system. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what's going on here. And I like that. So I'm going with it. Now I don't know if there's something I'm in. I'm just going to go with dynamite. I don't want to believe the second one's true. It doesn't make sense to me, but that is its merit of a, of a fact. <laughs> <laughs> well, the true fact is dynamite. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And this uh, this was attempted not just in Virginia, but also in Canada and Northern California, <laughs> despite the fact that it did not help in any case. So, yeah, it definitely did ecological damage, though. You can't set off dynamite underwater without hurting some things. But uh, it did not seem to have any impact on shipworms hmm. at all. But this is the weirder fact that I kind of could not incorporate. I couldn't figure out how to how to make it work, is that in some places... They did not have problems with shipworms. And they were like, we just don't have problems with shipworms. And then they cleaned up the river. So this happened in the Hudson River in New York Harbor and Los Angeles Harbor. There was industrial pollution. And they were like, like, oh, this, there's just not shipworms in this part of the world. But it turned out that like as soon as they stopped <laughs> disgusting waste from being dumped into the water, they began to have shipworm problems Uh and they had to mitigate in other ways. So the sewage (laughs) might have worked. Yeah, no, absolutely. And (laughs) and the the deal was that like they didn't need to dump the sewage in because they were already (laughs) dumping much more hazardous things into the water in those places. This thing about the divers stabbing was false. There is a long history of bounty gaming where when you have people pay, like you pay a bounty for for something, they Mm. find ways to like, make two two rat tails out of one rat tail or whatever mm-hmm. or just like like make fake rat tails and like deliver like you know a hundred of them but 30 of them are fakes <laughs> so that is a thing that has happened but did not happen here but they did so this was interesting one of the main ways to get rid of shipworm is to to coat something with creosote so that's what we did for a long time it's pretty toxic and like difficult for shipworms to bite through but it's also toxic so mm-hmm. they did in Los Angeles and other places in California for a long time, they were paying divers to wrap the like legs of wharfs in like cling wrap, basically, uh-huh. so that the creosote wouldn't leach into the water. So like they did the first thing to prevent the shipworms, and then the second thing to prevent the thing that they used to prevent the shipworms from poisoning everything else. <laughs> well, did the plastic wrap help stop the shipworms too? And the plastic wrap also stops the shipworms, oh, except you that you don't really need to stop the shipworms because there's creosote between oh, the yeah. wood and the ship. They should have just already. skipped okay. it, gone straight to plastic wrap. Yeah. Plastic wrap Well, but boats. plastic wrap didn't exist then. It was the um, 1870s. Well, 
Time to build the new pier. That is a that's a big pain in the butt. <laughs> or just use a time machine. Yeah, bring them <laughs> yeah. back and be like, "Hi, I have the solution to your pier problems." That's Let me my that's my you. that's my first stop with my time machine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, "I know the biggest problem. You didn't have enough plastic for your piers." <laughs> the cling wrap baron of the 1870s. <laughs> How does he do it? <laughs> All right, now it's time for a short break and then It'll be time for the fact off. Slash Tangents is brought to you by Rocket Money, a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's a subscription-based world out there. Video games, art-making programs, food delivery services, these things, they all have dang subscription services to subscribe to. And I don't want to cast as, aspersions, dispersions, yeah. aspersions, one of those. Aspersions. Yeah. But it does seem like part of the subscription uh, business model is to get you to subscribe to something and then hope that you lose track of everything you subscribe to and just keep forking out 10 bucks a month until the sun mm-hmm. burns out. And you know yeah. what? That's actually a pretty good idea on their part, but it's not such a good idea. For your wallet. Your money is like a bean. <laughs> you want to plant it in fertile soil. You don't want people carving off pieces of your bean all the time. Yeah, that yeah. bean's not going to grow if, there, if there's, there's a constant drain on the on bean. The bean. Yeah. That <laughs> is where Rocket Money comes in. With Rocket Money, you can see all your subscriptions in one place. Decide what you do and don't want and cancel things with just a tap. Rocket Money. We'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and beyond, I mean, beans and beyond subscription canceling (laughs) rocket money helps you build budgets, track your spending and more. There's all kinds of ways to take care of those beans. So they grow into a nice big bean plant. It has over 5 million users and it helps save members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. What would you do with 720 beans? I'd buy more beans. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind of bean, I guess. A, a cheaper, beans, more yeah. of a cheaper type you of bean. You buy cheaper beans with your expensive beans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, until I had an infinite amount of the cheapest bean you could possibly have. <laughs> Subscription <laughs> companies hate this one simple trick because you figured out their plot. And now you can use you- that money for beans instead. Stop wasting <laughs> money on things you don't use and start using money on things like beans, cancel your <laughs> unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash tangents. That's rocketmoney.com slash tangents. Rocketmoney.com slash T-A-N-G-E-N-T-S. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening that all all that's building up around you. Um, This is terrifying. I'm so, (laughs) I never want to cook again. (laughs) You're right, Factor Ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. (laughs) 
sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get mm-hmm. chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door, ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. <laughs> Heck yeah, Factor. Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> Oh, you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from. Flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. Sambuck totals. Sari has two for the poem and getting the the fact right. I have two for these two jokers getting the fact wrong, and and Sam and Stefan have nothing. So now it's time for the fact off, where you guys have a chance to redeem yourselves. Two panelists have brought in science facts to present to the others an attempt to blow our minds, and we each have a Sambuck to award the fact that we like the most. Trivia question to decide who goes first. We usually think of wood as being able to float, but iron woods are woods so dense that they actually sink in water. Approximately how dense must wood be to be considered an iron wood? Mm. It's in kilograms per meters cubed. And I know that you have a great sense of both what a kilogram <laughs> is and what a cubic meter is. Yeah, if I think of Sam and Stefan, I think experts of density. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, do you want to go first? No, I don't want to go first. <laughs> um, 225 kilograms per meter cubed. I'm going to say 500. 500 is closer. <laughs> what? But, 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 but amazingly and everybody put this in your head now a meter cube of water weighs a thousand kilograms Uh, i should have guessed it's metric so it's got to be some kind of nice round ass number jeez (laughs) stefan you go first all right my fact today is about wood densification are you familiar with this mr woodman hank wood densification yeah no, I don't. No. Oh, it's okay. Okay, a fresh wood <laughs> fact. Um, so this is a process for making wood more dense. That's what my guess was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, as it sounds, <laughs> it's like a process that we were already aware of, but this team at the University of Maryland took it to the next level. So just in general, to do this, you boil the wood in a solution for many hours to remove some amount of the lignin that's in it. And the lignin, as we talked about earlier, is very important and like sort of makes the woody tissue woody, separating it from other kinds of like plant tissue. And it's like part of what gives the wood its rigidity. So once you remove about half of that, you cook the wood at 200 Celsius while applying a ton of pressure to the wood. And since there's not enough lignin to keep the structure, all the cells collapse 
And so it compresses and becomes much thinner to about 20% of its original thickness. And then you've got this like plank of densified wood. So this team, their version is about 12 times as strong and 10 times as tough as the original wood. It's about as strong as steel, but it's much lighter and cheaper. So you could use it as an alternative construction material. It is biodegradable, so I don't know how that plays in. But they were saying that they could see it being used in place of steel in all kinds of things like cars and planes, which is kind of weird, like a wooden plane. You could use this like a densified soft wood, which now that we went through the definition and like it totally <laughs> broke down what a soft versus a hardwood is, I, I don't know how, how much this matters, but... Uh, they were saying that in things that require harder woods, you could replace that with densified softwoods like pine or balsa, which grow faster and are more environmentally friendly. They're also really insulating. There's videos of the researcher like stabbing the densified wood with a screwdriver, and it just doesn't <laughs> seem to care about that at all. They did a ballistic test also to see how it would fare as like armor. And so they shot <laughs> these like metal cylinders at regular wood, a single layer of the dense wood, and like a five-layer laminate of the dense wood. In the regular wood one, it just like shoots right through and you have all the shrapnel coming out the back. And then against the single layer of the dense wood, it goes through, but you can see it's like much slower, like the the wood absorbed a lot more of the projectile's energy. And then- Yeah, so if, you know, that way the (laughs) bullet just stays in. Yeah, Yeah, well, you know. So it's maybe not quite ready to be body armor yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe not body armor, but if it's like if your car is made out of it, you know, yeah. you've got it at least slows it down and the projectile gets stuck in the the layered dense wood. But yeah, so that's that's their super wood. And the, the whole team seems pretty fascinated by wood in general. They also have made transparent wood and wood batteries and this like densified wood you can buy from a company that is like it's like a spinoff company from the University of Maryland. And they apparently sell this wood. So this uh, this has made me want to redecorate my entire office. I want tripods <laughs> made of densified wood. I want super thin bookshelves yeah. that are very strong, nonetheless. I want my chair to be made out of it. To redecorate the office, it'll be a surprise for us when we go back in after quarantine. <laughs> we'll all yeah. have super wood. Yeah, and lower salaries. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just don't know enough about construction. Can you do everything with this wood that you could do with steel? So like I imagine a piece of metal you can like bend pretty easily or you can like Mm. weld it together. Would you need special Mm. tools to then like do woodworking on this? I like I'm mm -hmm. using my hand like an axe because that's the closest (laughs) thing I know. The only thing I know is that you can shape the wood partway through the process and then like I think you'd finish the densifying and then it's like whatever shape you put it in. I watched this guy shoot it with a bullet and I'd be worried about what it would do to my axe <laughs> you know? or or my saw. Like I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to put that on a, like a table saw. It's just right. like, yeah. all right, Sam, what do you got for us? As Hank has mentioned on tangents many times before, human beings have not figured out how to make wood. But that doesn't mean that we can't take a really close look at what makes wood so good and woody and try to figure out ways to copy that with other materials. Enter metallic wood. Okay, so we just got another weird wood. Well, eh. So many metals are strong, and I started reading about why some metals are stronger than others and got instantly confused about why that is. Uh, So I'll just leave it at some metals are strong. 
But when you're manufacturing things out of metal, the randomness of the ways that the atoms are stacked can leave defects and weak points. So researchers at the University of Pennsylvania were looking for ways to control the manufacturing of metal at a more atomic level, and they used the cellular structure of wood as inspiration, specifically its ability to be very strong while being not particularly dense. So to replicate the structure of wood with metal, they did some cool stuff. They took a whole shitload of tiny plastic balls, each one was only a few hundred nanometers in diameter, and they floated them all in water. Then when the water evaporated, the balls had stacked themselves into like a perfect ordered pile with like a crystalline structure. Then they fused all the balls together, like with a microwave or something, and poured in a nickel solution and used electroplating to get the nickel and all the teeny tiny little gaps between the balls. Then they melted the balls and what they were left with was a chunk of porous nickel about the size of a dice. And that chunk contained one billion little metal struts inside of it. So they found that their metallic wood nickel dice, at least at that scale, was as strong as titanium, but four or five times lighter than titanium. And it was also the same density of water. So if you made like a brick out of it, it would float. And since it's really porous, they think that they could fill it up with battery stuff, battery goo. I don't know what's in a battery, but that (laughs) stuff. And they could make things like uh, prosthetic legs or like cars that were their own battery. So some people research 3D printing to create similar metals with wood-like structures, but this team's method takes a lot less time and could potentially be way more scalable, and scalability is the part that they're trying to figure out right now. They want to make larger pieces of metallic wood so they can get a better idea of its tensile strength, because one of the researchers said that it's entirely possible that once you make a big piece of metallic wood, it would just shatter like glass. So it's not perfect, but it's cool, and sometimes that's what science is all about. (laughs) I've said it enough but like wood is amazing yeah and it's just like we have no like we are so bad at making things compared (laughs) to cellular machinery which is why i maintain i don't know i've said this on tangents before but i think that by the time i die almost everything will be made by bacteria food for sure the things that cars are made out of we are like working with wooden clubs (laughs) And they've got, like, 3D printers. Could we make a bacteria that could make wood? If a tree can do it, a bacteria can do it. Do they have ideas for, like, what kinds of applications? I saw airplanes and I saw prosthetic limbs. Those were the two that came up in all the articles that I read. So I think it would be so cool if we could do airplanes better. I I know they got, like, the 787 Dreamliner now, and it's, like, it's a little better. It's got LED lights. The (laughs) TV screens are bigger. (laughs) Not that I've been on a plane in a fucking year. (laughs) But but I'd love to get on a plane where I'm, like, this is a fundamentally different experience. Mm -hmm. And if they made it out of metallic wood, if it was, like, super light or the windows were extra huge or something, like, if if it shimmered, transparent, dense wood, just something. I want to get on a plane and feel like, ah, the future. But instead, I only feel the future in our in our communications technologies, which are terrifying. <laughs> it's like, oh, the way I see what the future is. It's everybody being able to talk at the same time loudly. Ah! <laughs> Once upon a time, you could have a grand piano in an airplane for some reason. They don't do that kind of stuff anymore. That's right. They're too heavy. You have to make them out of densified wood. All right, Sari, what do you want to root for? Do you have it in your head? Yes, I do. So it's either Stefan with uh, 
heating and compressing wood and removing some of the lignin, creating a super wood that's as strong as steel, or Sam, researchers replicating the structure of wood using nickel to create a super strong, super porous metallic wood. Three, two, one, Sam. Stefan. Oh, I'm shocked. Part of me was like, that's not really wood. That was my logic, yeah. But I liked it because it was like, Metal, which we always think of as superior to wood, being like, actually, wood, you got some good stuff going on. There are some things I really like about you. And I'm like, I want to see more uh, appreciation between different materials. Yeah, we need more cooperation in the world. Hank's in the pocket of big wood, so wants everything to like t- trend towards wood. It's time to ask the science couch. We've got some listener questions for our uh, virtual couch of finely honed scientific minds. This one is from at Jim Jam James. <laughs> My theater tech teacher used to tell me that you don't have to remove splinters because they're biodegradable. Is there any truth to that? <laughs> uh, no. I get, like, you don't have to remove a splinter, and I can say that with confidence because I had a splinter in my ass for like three straight years. Uh-oh. <laughs> Well, why did it get removed? It removed itself. Uh. Why didn't you remove it? I was embarrassed. I was in that age where you're embarrassed of everything. So I was Uh. like 12 to 15. You would have needed assistance. Someone to pull it out of my ass. Yeah. So did your butt just hurt for three years? Well, at first I didn't think that there was a splinter in there. I just thought that I had cut myself Uh because I couldn't see it. After a while, I was like still hurts and it's been a while oh, and no. then there was like a bump but it didn't hurt as much anymore and so I was like well I guess I'll just live this way turn it into a pearl yeah and then w- <laughs> <laughs> and then one day I uh, it, it was like a scab suddenly like after years and I just like picked the scab and there was wood inside of it what the hell the human body <laughs> Particularly my human ass. (laughs) I hate that. So there is truth to the fact that a splinter is biodegradable, except you wouldn't want something biodegrading inside of your body, right? In order to degrade, wood needs, I mean, I guess probably eventually just solar radiation would be enough to do it. But Mm -hmm. like in the short term, wood biodegrades through the action of of fungi mostly. Hmm. And you do not want fungi in your body. Unless you're eating a mushroom pizza. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. You, yeah, having it in your digestive tract, that's cool. Yeah, that's your digestive cool. tract yeah. is very strong in a way that getting it in your bloodstream or something, bad. Your immune system has ways of protecting your body by surrounding stuff that isn't supposed to be there and ejecting it eventually. Or but, just surrounding it and leaving it there. Yeah, but all medical stuff that I have read in the past day has said that splinters made out of organic matter like wood are oftentimes more of a problem than splinters from inorganic material like glass or metal. Mostly because wood has oil and resins and is more likely to be covered in bacteria and fungi and other things than a glass Mm -hmm. or a metal splinter. And so you're not only getting a splinter of wood, you're getting a splinter of other stuff in your body like we've been talking about. Hmm. it's just more dangerous because you can get a secondary infection. So you can get more inflammation, but with particular fungi or bacteria on it. So like tetanus causing bacteria, or there's like a fungus that grows on rose thorns, which are a woody plant. And so there's like a common 
fungal disease that people get by getting pricked by rose thorns. So you're saying I should have gone to a doctor and not just <laughs> left a splinter in my ass for <laughs> Correct. Yeah. If you have a splinter, you should probably remove it either yourself I'm not a doctor, or go to a medical professional and have it removed. <laughs> all right. So I'm glad that we got that uh, all squared away for you. I hope that uh, we can continue to be to be dispensing good medical advice here on our <laughs> Science Fact <laughs> Podcast. Uh, but also, theater tech teachers should also not be dispensing medical advice. Yeah. If you want to ask a question of the Science Couch, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Norma15, at 13SerenityMay11, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions for this episode. Final scores! Sari and Hank tied with two in the lead. Sam and Stefan with one. And that means that Sari is within one sandbox of reaching Stefan. Creeping up. If you like this show and you want to help us out, it's easy to do that. You can leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps us know what you like about the show. You can also tweet out your favorite moment from the episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for SciShow Tangents, just tell, tell people, people about, about us. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sari Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is created by all of us and produced by Caitlin Hoffmeister and Sam Schultz, who also edits a lot of these episodes along with Hiroko Matsushima. Our social media organizer is Paolo Garcia Pieto. Our editorial assistant is Debo Chakravarti. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish, and we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you, and remember, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But, one more thing. Toilet paper is made from plant material, so it includes some cellulose fibers, but also ends up containing some lignin, which, as we talked about, is the structural material that makes wood strong. But no one wants rigid toilet paper to wipe their butts, so manufacturers bleach the wood pulp mixture to make the final tissue softer and last longer. And that's why toilet paper is white instead of beige wood colored. Can they add some color back in? Maybe some wood grain? You know, so it just looks a little more natural. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you could get some little ridges in there. This is the next stage of toilet technology. Like, how do you want ridges? What? Like hard ridges? Capture. Well, it's like somewhat pliable, but you know. (laughs) Okay. You know, a little texture to increase Uh the cleaning power. You just want a stick or something.